Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, episode 299, Their Paths to Gateway. I'm Garrett Jordan, and I'll be your host today. On this podcast, we're bringing the experts, scientists, engineers, and astronauts all to let you know what's going on in the world of human spaceflight and more. Episode 299. I can't believe we're actually here. This is a significant milestone. Next week, we're going to be having our 300th episode. Definitely want you to listen to this one, episode 299, but make sure you tune in next week to episode 300. We're going to be doing something special. But on this episode, 299, we're talking about Artemis. More specifically, Gateway. This is the small, human-tended space station that will orbit the moon and allow for extensive capabilities during Artemis lunar exploration missions. We've talked about Gateway a few times on the podcast before. Back in 2020, for episode 157, we chatted with Dan Hartman and Laura Kearney, who at the time were the Gateway program's manager and deputy manager, respectively. And they talked about getting this new program off the ground, as it was really in its early years. Well, Dan Hartman recently announced his retirement from NASA after serving 29 years with the agency, and Laura Kearney is busy heading up EHP, or Extravehicular Activity and Human Surface Mobility Program, the one that's managing spacesuits and rovers, episode 247, if you want to check that out. So Gateway is under new management, and we're lucky enough to have both of the new leaders on, not only to talk about what they're bringing to the table to further Gateway's development, but to give us an update on where Gateway is today. John Lanson is now the Gateway Program Manager as of 2023, but he's been with the program since its inception in 2019, managing the development of HALO, the Habitation and Logistics Outpost Module of Gateway. Lanson has a long history at NASA Johnson Space Center serving in various roles, starting as a flight controller and making his way through various roles with increasing levels of responsibility in the Astronaut Office, Safety and Mission Assurance, Space Shuttle, and Johnson's Engineering Directorate. Fans of the podcast may recognize Olanson from episode 62, where we discussed the Ascent Abort 2 test mission for the Orion Launch Abort System, where he served as the AA2 Crew Module Manager and Test Director. Holly Ridings is now the Gateway Deputy Program Manager as of 2022. Starting her NASA career at the Goddard Space Flight Center in Maryland, she moved to Johnson to become a flight controller, leading various teams supporting international space station operations and working up the ranks to eventually become a flight director. In 2018, she became the first female chief of the flight director's office and remained in that role until her transition to Gateway Program. I'm thrilled to speak with these accomplished individuals to see what they have in store for ensuring sustained human lunar presence. Let's get started. John and Holly, thank you so much for coming on Houston. We have a podcast. A pleasure to have you both. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for inviting us. <laughs> yeah, thanks for inviting us. It's going to be awesome. I know. All right. So both of you are the leaders of Gateway. We have a lot to talk about. First, let's just sort of get to know you. Who are the who are the managers? Who are the folks that are leading Gateway? John, we'll start with you. We had you on the podcast before to talk AA2, but I know you have a long history at NASA. So um, what led you to where you are today? So I've, I've actually bounced around through my career in a, a ver wide variety of uh, activities here at Johnson Space Center. I mm -hmm. started as a flight controller, so I have some operational experience similar uh, to Holly, but nowhere near the depth that she has. But from that, I, I moved into a number of other areas. I worked in the, in the crew office as a flight crew engineer for a couple of years. I was in SNMA. Uh, I worked in the shuttle program. But largely what led me to Gateway uh, is, is leading uh, several in-house projects where mm -hmm. we did design development and delivery of, of complex spacecraft level uh, vehicles. Uh, and, and really that's, that's the experience that brought me to, uh, to Gateway, uh, where I was working on Halo for a while and then now, uh, fortunate to be in the position to lead the program. And last we talked to you, you were working on that, um, Ascent Abort 2 mission. Um, and we talked to you ahead of that mission, but Correct. I know, um, we, we got to chatting a little bit beforehand and right around that time where that mission was happening and right where the time we recorded the podcast, that was sort of your introduction to Gateway. And there was a lot of overlap with that too. 
So, so it was for actually both uh, AA2 and Morpheus before it. Again, mm. building those those vehicles uh, in house and dealing with all of the issues that come with design and development and actually producing that hardware all led to the time where uh, where as Gateway was starting, there was an opportunity to actually build out some of the early elements of Gateway, mm. uh, and so that overlap is is what led. Uh, me and uh, several of the folks from the AA2 team actually into Gateway to help bring that expertise to the design and development aspects. And you were quite successful. You worked with Halo. You received the NASA Outstanding Leadership Medal in 2022. That sort of recognition, I think, maybe catapulted you as one of the leader con lead contenders to eventually become program manager, possibly. I've been very fortunate to have the opportunities uh, through of through course. my career, right? And and a lot of it is really great teams. It's It's working with a lot of great people. Uh, here at JSC and across the agency, honestly, every project I've worked has been multi-center and bringing a lot of expertise across the agency to to bring those to fruition. And I think that's what uh, what Gateway really embodies today. And and I, um, Dan and Laura actually did a great job of actually creating that culture initially, and and we try to just continue that, uh, Holly and I, as we go forward today. Wonderful. It's a theme that we hear constantly because we get a lot of guests, especially from the Johnson Space Center here, and it's it's such a it's a constant theme through all the programs. It's just it it takes a team. We all have to do this together. That's hundred percent correct. All right, Holly, you are no stranger to teams, and you've spent a lot of time at NASA. Tell us about uh, what led you to where you are to as uh, Gateway Deputy. All right. Well, uh, what led me to the Gateway Deputy? So, you know, backing up a little bit, uh, most of my experience is in uh, human spaceflight operations. So uh, flight operations directorate here at the Johnson Space Center. Um, before that, I, I spent a few years right out of college at the Goddard Space Flight Center, was able to uh, experience a little bit about the different NASA centers, their different personalities and cultures. Um, but the bulk of a book of my career has been uh, that flight operation. So I uh, got here in time to launch the first element of the International Space Station, which is pretty exciting. And yeah. so kind of lived through all of that assembly sequence and assembly complete and then on into really what we're doing today, which is the science on the International Space Station. So um, that was run through some thermal systems, some guidance navigation systems, you know, all working in mission control. Uh, was lucky enough to be a flight director when we first started doing all of the commercial work that we do today. Yeah. You know, now it seems, you know, almost old hat, right? But uh, I was... Uh, able to be the NASA flight director for the uh, first Dragon mission in 2012, the very first time we flew a commercial vehicle to the space station. Mm -hmm. And then uh, after that, for five years, I was the chief flight director. Uh, and during that period of time, for example, we did, you know, Bob and Doug and the first, you know, crewed Dragon to the space station. So it was an amazing you know, run through, you know, 20 years of operations. Uh, then a year and a half ago, uh, had some great mentoring here at NASA. You know, one of the things we do is we try to work really hard on development and growing our people. And so yeah. uh, it was suggested to me maybe to go learn a little bit more about the different parts of spaceflight, right? So I'd spent 20 years in just the operations execution. So sort of the end, right, after the hardware's been designed and developed and and, you know, verified. Uh, mm -hmm. So Gateway was an opportunity to kind of sort of step backwards in the life cycle. When you do the chief flight director job, you work with all of the different programs. So you have this huge breadth. And so one of the great things about Gateway is in, it's it's very similar, right? It has all these different elements. We'll talk about it, I'm yeah. sure, here in a few minutes. Oh, yeah. And so for me, it was a really great fit. You know, I went from running a, a high-powered, um, you know, motivated team to another high-powered motivated team, you know, that has a huge span of control, you know, international partners, you know, different NASA centers, commercial providers. And so uh, Gateway seemed like a great opportunity. And Dan asked me to come over and be his deputy. And now it's been just over a year. Yeah. And you've you've worked your way up through the ranks. You got that that flight director experience and chief of flight director experience, which you which you um, uh, definitely highlighted. But just to focus in on that a little bit more, that is quite a job. The flight director position it's in, in, a, in a very critical moment when things are happening, you are everyone's turning towards you. You have to make those decisions. It is truly like a like a pinnacle of leadership. If you think about it, um, when you think about your approach to leadership in the flight control room and how w those skills that you translate to this leadership role, is it a lot of the same or have you made some sort of tweaks along the way to, to become you know, a leader in Gateway? 
So it actually ends up being more similar than maybe I thought I w- it would have been, right? I mean, on the surface, when I said, oh, I'm going to go from operations to programs, everybody kind of went, ooh, you know, that seems that seems strange, right? People don't often do that from the position I was in in the operations world. So I had to get a lot of strange looks. But I will tell you, having done it for uh, a year plus now, it's very, very similar, right? Mm-hmm. You you need to take care of your team first and foremost, right? You got to have a good communication system. System. You got to do preparation, right? Mm-hmm. And when they bring you problems, you have to assess the risk, right? Now in the control center, sometimes that's a matter of minutes. Um, and in the program where we are right now, in terms of development, it's not minutes, but it's also not, you know, a long period of time. If it gets to John or to I, you know, the, the team needs help, you need a decision, you need to move forward. The specifics are different, right? You're deciding to, you know, change a piece of hardware and on orbit, you know, maybe you're deciding how you operate that hardware or a task that the crew's doing or you're outside doing an EVA, you know, you bring the crew in. So the specifics are different, but the algorithm is very, very similar hmm. in terms of assessing the risk you know, the pros and cons, whether that's financial or schedule or on orbit, you know, the safety of the crew member always comes first and then and then you and then you make a choice. So team, communication, risk management. It's very similar. Yeah, it sounds it. And so, John, think th- kind of bouncing off of these points that Holly is taking, this approach to leadership. You have similar leadership and leading programs. So how do you guys work together as you talk about teams as a team to lead uh, like using either your each of your skills to help gateway to progress. Forward. Actually, you can take what Holly was just talking about, right? It's it's all about complementary leadership. Right? Uh-huh. We we work together as a team. We obviously have different backgrounds, right? Um, but the experience still leads to teams, right? And and managing risk, right? It's mm. a, we we work first on establishing the culture within gateway. And, and like I mentioned earlier, Dan and Laura did a really good job of, of setting that bit. Uh, and so Holly and I put a lot of effort into maintaining the culture that, that's there, right? A, a culture that, that promotes the, the team working together, the, the interactions that lead to thoughtful and uh, thoughtful risk management, right? Uh, uh, appropriate decision-making, the ability to assess and adjudicate risk uh, as Holly was talking about, it, it's all setting that stage initially to be able to make the decisions that that need to be made to move forward. Uh, so, so we uh, work uh, in tandem to assess all of those items. Holly's got great operational experience, and if you back up a little bit and you think about Gateway as a whole, we're in design and development now, but we're not far from being operational. Right. So we have to be able to move from from building the spacecraft to actually flying the spacecraft and and how do we evolve the program from where we are today to where we're going to be it requires both perspectives from a design and development and an operational perspective to bring all that together and so that that complementary leadership is how we work together uh, with the team what else has uh, Dan and Laura passed on to you because you know the the transition has happened within these past couple of short years that you said they established that culture and you guys want to continue that culture because it sounds like it's it's been successful up to this point what other lessons have they sort of um, let, kind of passed on to you to continue the progress that they set you know watching Dan for me you know again had the opportunity to come over and, and be his deputy for for just under a year and right. and that was one of the big draws of gateway was to learn from Dan Hartman because yeah. you know anybody who's met him he is amazing so a, a there a long list but but some of the things that stuck out to me in terms of how he ran the team so gateway is a small program team um but also then a, a large team in all of the people that support Gateway, if that makes sense, right? Yes. So if you have sort of your core leadership team, there's only about 30 plus of us. Um, but then, you know, with engineering and safety and the multiple NASA centers and commercial partners. And so um, he always had this very calm sense about him. And so when you do uh, you know, big jobs like that, you can often kind of run around and, you know, try to do everything all the time. And and it sort of creates this, you know, energy that's maybe a little too much. And he was always very just calm. And it was amazing to watch him run this 
big distributed, you know, system trying to get gateway built. The other thing is he he would look ahead and he would always be saying, okay, well, well what, what are we doing in three months? Like what problem are we trying to solve that's three months from now? Mm-hmm. You know, and that was, he would just say that to me every day. Okay, well, what's, what's the next three months? You know, where are we trying to get to? And then on a tactical level, every day would be, okay, well, what problem are we solving today? You know, and so people think of programs, can think of them as, as moving slower than operations. You were asking about the comparisons yeah. early, but the way Dan did it, you know, again, he had this big calm presence. He had this strategic vision, you know, three months or even farther out. And then he had this, okay, well, what problem are we trying to solve today? And our job was to take the 5% that got to us and help the team move forward, mm-hmm. get them unstuck. And most of the time they just needed, you know, a decision or some advice or a different way to look at things. And so that was kind of the algorithm, you know, that that now I have in my head. Stay calm, look three months out, make a decision when when you can help your team. Beautifully described. Now we t- when we keep talking about gateway. We keep talking. We we've as if you know we've established sort of what this is, and we have on the podcast before. But let's just sort of get into the high level, because um, you guys ultimately go out and and have engagements with you know the different stakeholders. Holly, you mentioned commercial partners mm-hmm. and, and things like that, um, even the public. So when you go out and try to capture just the very high level, and you and someone asks you what is gateway, John, what do you usually say? So, so that's a great question, and we do get that a lot, right? There's, there's a lot of different ways to, to capture uh, what Gateway is. It's a, it is a, a mini space station that we will put in orbit around the moon. That's physically what it is. But, but really, what we're establishing is a sustained human presence in cislunar space. Right? Mm-hmm. Gateway provides that platform, that access to cislunar space uh, for the exploration that we want, uh, want to do. Uh, in on the lunar surface, but it also establishes the blueprint for how we want to do exploration in, in distant, more distant planets or or extraterrestrial bodies in the future, right? Mars, uh, in particular. So, so it starts that cadence of what do we need to do to actually execute exploration to be able to get us to Mars. It that the Moon to Mars moniker exists for a reason, right? That we are trying to build build a capability. So we've got that sustained presence. We have the ability to learn how to, how to do execute transportation, how to do habitation uh, distant from low earth orbit. We're taking the lessons from low earth orbit, from ISS, shuttle before it, et cetera, and, and expanding on those to actually operate uh, more in deep space. Uh, but then you build on that as well, and you add science capabilities. You had the ability to actually understand heliophysics and space weather and those types of things out in that environment. All of that adds to what Gateway is bringing to the Artemis program. So, so my mind, the way I talk about uh, Gateway, it's the cornerstone of Artemis, right? It is that foundation that enables Artemis to be completed. Yeah, kind of bouncing off of Holly's point of, you know, Dan's mentality of thinking, what can we solve today? What can we solve in the future, right? That I think that sort of translates nice to your description of what Gateway is, because it's not just a near-term solution for access to the moon. You're thinking about Mars. Absolutely. It's, yeah. all, it's all about how do we continue that deep space human exploration. Okay. Now, what is gateway made of. You talked about, John, Halo, something you worked on in the beginning of the program. That was one of your big things. So now if we're getting to start, start getting into the pieces of gateway, what's, what's that component, Halo? Okay. So that's, that's great. So, uh, gateway, um, like, as I mentioned, a small, relatively small space station, Mm -hmm. uh, one bedroom apartment ish, versus a six-bedroom house that you might see as ISS, right? So, so scale-wise, uh, um, that's, what, that's what you're looking at. PPE, the power and propulsion element, is, is the workhorse, right? It's, the, it's providing the solar arrays, the propulsion system for the entire stack. Mm-hmm. Right? So, that, so PPE, that's being uh, led out of Glenn uh, Research Center, produced by Maxar. Uh, and, and so that's one of the first elements. Halo is the other, the Habitation and Logistics Outpost. Uh, that's the first habitable module uh, mm-hmm. that's being produced, uh, led here at JSC, produced by Northrop Grumman. Uh, okay. And then th- those two elements will actually be integrated on the ground and launched together in the first launch. Uh, so, ah. so they'll be launched on a SpaceX Falcon Heavy. Okay. Uh, 
about three years from now-ish, uh, right? That time frame is what we're looking at there. So you get get that activity uh, on its way. Um, that that's what's called gateway initial capability. It's that that co-manifested vehicle will launch, uh, and it will take about a year for that uh, vehicle to spiral out into uh, the near rectilinear near rectilinear halo orbit, the NRHO, hmm. that uh, that the gateway will be in in orbit around the moon. So it takes about a year for that activity to happen. It's using solar electric propulsion ah. uh, to continue to raise that the orbit, right? So that's actually a big technological advancement uh, that gateway, gateway is demonstrating in doing that. So you have those elements that are the initial capability. And then there's the Gateway Logistics Services that is led out of Kennedy Space Center. And that's where uh, currently we have SpaceX on contract uh, to provide a logistics capability to the Gateway on a mission uh, requirement basis. So we can actually bring food and clothing and, and maintenance items and the other things needed to actually execute the missions at Gateway. Then we have a lot of international partner elements. So Holly mentioned the international partners earlier. Right? That's a big part of what Gateway is. It's all about the, the international cooperation and collaboration that we're doing. So, mm -hmm. so you have the international habitat that ESA is providing. Within that international habitat, JAXA is providing all the environmental control systems that will be a part of that. Um, you have uh, the European refueling module, ERM, that ESA is also providing. That's going to enable us to refuel uh, Gateway so we can extend its life uh, as we continue. There will also be an airlock. Uh, and Canada, uh, CSA, is providing uh, an external robotic system uh, advanced beyond what, what uh, ISS, what they've been providing for ISS, right? So next yeah. generation arm that will be on Gateway uh, as well. So those are the, the pieces that will initially make up Gateway, right? So that's, that's what the station will look like. Okay. Now, th bouncing off of that, Holly, this sounds very familiar with the commercial, with the international. Sounds a lot like, you know, John said a mini space station. Sounds a lot like there are so many elements pulled from the international space station program and the successes of that, which you, which you spent much of your career focusing on from an operations perspective. There sounds to be so many parallels to that that are in this program. Yeah. So that, first of all, there are a lot of parallels. And we are, you know, very lucky that our Gateway team has a lot of people with International Space Station experience yeah. uh, to come and, and carry that forward. So uh, probably a month ago, I was uh, over at Space Center Houston doing a panel with some of the Skylab crew members, right? Wow. And so I, I point that out because it pointed out to me that there's both parallels and differences with International Space Station, right? So the concept of taking elements, right, and building them and then putting them together, as John was describing, either on the ground for launch or then on orbit, right? International Space Station. We did that for years, assembly. And so that is a challenge in in terms of, of integration, in terms of launch, and we all have experience doing that. We also then have a lot of experience flying on orbit, right? So to go up and come home is one type of flying, right? And to have to have something on orbit that you are continuously taking care of, right? We use the word sustaining but cont or continuous operations is very different than the other elements that are currently in the Artemis enterprise. So in that way, we are much more like the International Space Station because once we get on orbit, hmm. we are there. We have to have people operate it. We have to fix problems. You know, it is continuous. And so that's a lot of the work we're doing inside Gateways to sort of think about that evolution. And much of that comes from our experience in the International Space Station. But what's interesting about the Skylab discussion, right, is they didn't have the communication we do today in low Earth orbit. There weren't GPS satellites. You couldn't talk to the crew almost every minute of every day or get data down from the space station almost every minute of every day. And in that way, the gateway will be much more like Skylab because hmm. we don't have a communication system yet around the moon. There will be big periods of time where we're not necessarily going to get data or talk to the crew members. Or if we do, it's going to be much less than what we're used to with low Earth, low Earth orbit. So you start thinking about how do we 
you know, sort of alter our operational strategy in order to account for that. The other big piece of it, right, is that um, Gateway will not have people on it all the time. Like hmm. the International Space Station has people on it all the time, continuously crewed for, you know, 20 plus years now. Gateway, and John mentioned this, is outpost, right? So Skylab was an outpost. There was periods of time where there was no crew. So to button it up, leave, you had to come back. Mm. And they had to take care of things at break when they're gone. And so we have to do that and we have to be able to do spacewalks. We have automation that's built in. We're mm. doing robotics. And so there are many, many lessons from the International Space Station, but there are also many lessons from, you know, Skylab. And so we're really the NASA's next space station, right? The continuation of Skylab to the International Space Station to Gateway. And we're taking lessons from both. Yeah. It's it, This is the natural evolution, right? Over time, International Space Station didn't just start with all these spoiled communications capabilities. It, it did not. Yeah, it, was, it was developed. I mean, you said 20 plus years yep. that a yep. lot of it just progressed. And I think that's the idea for Gateway, right? It's just you're going to continue to build on the capabilities, not only the elements of the Gateway itself, right? You mentioned Halo and PPE were the first ones, and then it just sort of builds on that. But you're talking about building communications capabilities. Yeah, Artemis continues to expand with the amount of things that... The surface operations and all that changes, and that's just part of the evolution. So Gateway becomes an aggregation point, right, out hmm. in cislunar space so that you can continue to build out uh, as the, the agency evolves its plans moving forward. Okay. Absolutely. Um, again, tie it back to the tie to Mars, right, whether you're, you have a, a transit habitation capability that you want to add on to Gateway or, or the other things that you want to look at adding. Those are, those are all capabilities that once you get out there, you have the opportunity to then expand. Hmm. When you think about operations on the on the gateway mm -hmm. and how they kind of evolve over time, because right now I'm 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 still thinking about those comparisons to the International Space Station. We're doing six month expeditions mm -hmm. continuously over and over and over. What are what can we expect for gateway missions? What are the art, What are the astronauts going to be doing? How long are they going to be spending there? Yeah, so the missions are 30 days to start is okay. what we're thinking. Now, let me back up. So when you do, you know, your your first couple of Artemis missions, you know, Artemis 4 is the first mission that will include Gateway, Artemis 5, Artemis 6. Those may be shorter than 30 days, just depending on the other mission objectives. If you remember back to shuttle, not every shuttle mission was, you know, exactly the same time frame. Some were 14, some were 16, you know, type of thing. Sure. But functionally, we can do 30 days. And in order to do 30 days, we need a logistics module to come up. Gateway is not as large as the International Space Station. You can't store everything that you need. And so we're gonna, you're going to take a crew out there and you're going to do a 30-day expedition or mission, if you will. You're going to need a logistics module to come with you to bring the supplies that you need. Mm. Um, it is extensible or expandable up to potentially 60 days if you had more logistics that come up and help you, right? Mm. But right now in the Artemis timeframe, the largest time period, uh, again, for that first set of Artemis missions is, is a 30-day time period. But from our perspective at Gateway, we're setting ourselves up so that you can go out to 60 days, you know, potentially even longer if you had these cargo logistics missions, cargo vehicles come out to you. And a lot of it is because of our Mars forward thinking, right? Mm -hmm. We need to learn how to operate in on orbit in deep space, right? So everyone needs to think about it in two pieces, right? If we're going to get out of low Earth orbit, we want to go to the surface, right? Everyone wants to go to the surface of the moon. At the same time, if we want to go to Mars, you have to teach yourself about the on-orbit piece of deep space exploration, which is significantly different than the surface piece of deep space exploration exploration. I mean, gravity, walking around, rovers, very different right. than living and working on the space station. Luckily for us, we have all of the International Space Station experience that kind of teaches us what it's going to be like. But in the beginning for Gateway, it's going to be these 30-day expeditions where you're kind of, you know, trucking your cargo in, you hang out. And then the crew members that are on orbit will do quite a bit of science. Again, Mars forward. So the science program will end up being defined by a couple of things. One, what our science mission director and our science teams at NASA want to do in the moon orbit, NRHO, but also what we're thinking we need to understand to get to Mars. Right. Okay. So building off of that, the the Mars forward thinking, mm -hmm. if we think about 
um, early concepts for Mars missions and, and what that would take. A lot of what a Mars mission is, is the travel between Earth and Mars. Uh, you know, you can there's concepts out there that you can be on the surface of Mars for 30 days, but for months and months and months and months and months, you are in a transit habitat between the two and so i guess when you when you say holly mars forward that's what you're thinking we gotta we gotta get a pretty good understanding of what it's going to take for you know even if it's not necessarily gateway something gateway like and make sure we got that down because that's what a lot of the mars mission is going to be yeah and at the moon i mean you're you're far from home compared to low earth orbit i mean you get home from the international space station and you know four to six hours depending on on the orbit right you can't get home from the moon best case scenario you know you're in the four to five day time frame and that's if you're not on the surface right if you're on the surface you've got to wait for your you know your ride to come around and pick you up so you can ascend off the surface meet up with it and then head home and so Mm. from a crew member standpoint you know, safety, success of the mission, how we design missions, we've got to learn that. Spacewalks, right? Spacewalks in a NRHO orbit around the moon, which puts you close on one side and really far away from the moon. It's like a big egg shape, you know, ellipse around the moon, you know, going to be very different, right? You have a little bit of microgravity around uh, the Earth so that, you know, if you drop something on an EVA, it decays and gets out of your way. That won't happen in lunar orbit. And so we've got to figure out how to be really careful, or at least we don't think it will, right? Right. The radiation environment is different. We're going to have dust off the surface. So we need to learn all of those things about being on orbit. And you mentioned the Transhab. You know, we have on Gateway ports available, right? Just like the International Space Station where the cargo vehicle will come and go, where the new modules will get added. And we've made sure we have enough of those so that we can expand Gateway beyond what John described uh, to think about what we might need, you know, for Mars. Do we want to put up additional elements that will help us learn, you know, out in the future? And if you look at the architectural concept reviews, you know, they're starting to, that NASA's doing, you know, rolled out at Space Symposium earlier this year by the deputy administrator. Mm-hmm. We're starting to think about those things and Gateway will be a, a great opportunity for that. Yeah, we we actually just talked to Kathy very recently on this podcast and like she's absolutely stunned us by talking about, she was thinking, you know, where we, we used to say, you know, three months ahead when you're talking about the plan. And, and of course, you guys are thinking longer than that, but she was thinking way out. Absolutely. And she, and she was think, and she was talking about using gateway, using lunar mm-hmm. surface operations as a practice run for Mars. Absolutely. Because you said, you know, it's it's more challenging than low Earth orbit. Low Earth orbit, you can be home in a matter of hours. It, you get that days, but it's still better than the months it would take on a Mars mission. So you can practice all the systems. You can be in gateway for a long time. You can do the surface operations basically a dress rehearsal um and that's when you talk about mars forward that really excited me the potential for that there's another piece of that that we haven't touched on yet it's autonomous operations autonomous right so so within gateway we are building what we call the vehicle system manager uh it's a top tier software capability but we're building it to bring autonomous capabilities to actually be able to run the station through that software right so there's a lot of technology advancement that's required to to actually be able to run a complex station like that autonomously. And so we're building that and we're creating a, a base for it uh, in our first launch even that we can evolve over time to build that autonomous capability. So when you talk about things in the future like a transhab or things like that, mm-hmm. you're going to want more and more capability uh, of the vehicle to, to take care of itself where it can, right, to limit what you need crew uh, to be able to do, right? Mm-hmm. So so I think all of those advanced capabilities, that, that all feeds into what Holly was talking about and how you move forward from what we're doing today and lead into uh, your capability to go explore Mars. Yeah. It's a little bit different, Holly, from your experience in, in the International Space Station. It's almost, it, it, can it be considered a fundamental shift in how you do the operations with this autonomous, with it, it just sounds different. So how I'm, I'm wondering how, you know, with your experience in International Space Station and the lessons you've learned over time on how to make space station operations, you kind of have to redesign that in a way to give certain autonomy to the systems, to the crew. And I wonder how you guys are approaching that to, to get to a comfortable spot. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't really think about it as a fundamental shift. Interesting. Okay. Um, so 
human spaceflight operations in low Earth orbit is lo is lots of different things, right? We partner with you know SpaceX, we partner with Boeing, we partner with you know is, you know Canadians, Japanese, Europeans, and the way you fly a joint mission with all of them, depending on the objectives in the spacecraft, is all slightly different, right? Mm -hmm. And so I mostly think about it as like you know, the big, the big soundboard where you can sort of change the levels. And so, you know, Gateway has, you know, more autonomy, you know, versus less. And Gateway has humans uh, only a portion of the time versus all the time. But if you look back in history, there is so far an example of, of all of those things, right? I mean, we flew the International Space Station with no people in the very, very beginning, right? Right. And, and there are not a lot of folks around who remember that, but the knowledge has been passed down and there's a, f a few folks, right? We do have autonomy that's been built up over time. Uh, you know, many of the commercial vehicles ha coming in have gone in that direction. So you, you take all those e examples and then you almost sort of adjust the percentages of, of time and energy and focus in each of those areas differently than you do a, a low earth orbit space station. So I, I don't feel like it's a fundamental shift, but I feel like when you, when you add all that together, it will focus or highlight different areas of operations that maybe are, you know, not focused on or highlighted as much in a, in a low earth orbit space station. Yeah. Your soundboard example yeah. resonated with me because you know, the, the dials change, but the board is the same. Yes. Is, is kind of what I mean, safety out. of the crew, safety of the vehicle, yeah. right? A little bit different as John described because uh, it's autonomous mm -hmm. and then succession of the mission. So that thing, that is consistent no matter, you know, what we do or where we fly and, and you, and you kind of, you know, again, change the, change the percentage of skill that you apply in, in each case. We'll have new people to fly with, right? So John mentioned, you know, Max are building our power propulsion element. They are a new entrant to human spaceflight. So from an operations perspective, we've not partnered with them. And they'll be really important in the execution of the mission when we fly PPE, you know, the initial checkout, the sustaining engineering, mm -hmm. they will be new. Potentially we'll have new international partners, other new commercial partners as we go along with Gateway. So, but again, we've done that before, low earth orbit, as we brought on the many people that fly with us today. So we understand the process, but the details will be a little different. Okay. There was one thing you said a little earlier, Holly, that sort of resonated with me. And John, I'll go to you for, for to, to sort of expand on this because I thought it was very interesting. You casually mentioned it. You said, everybody wants to go to the moon. <laughs> uh, you said, and when we were talking, we were talking about Mars, we said, everybody wants to go to the moon. We're thinking about Mars. But I thought that was something we should, we should focus on for a little bit because the moon is interesting. We have this Absolutely. whole, the, we have this near term objective, right? We're talking, we're talking about Mars forward and this, but there is this near term objective that while we're on the moon, there's a lot that we can learn and there's a lot of interesting stuff. So what, what are some of the near term things that, you know, Gateway, you said it, we're talking about evolution and how, it, how it works with the Artemis missions and, and folding into surface operations and everything. But what, is interesting about the moon? Oh boy, there's, there's a there. Number one, you start with science, right? You've got a you've got a lot of things that, about the moon that we don't know, and really, we need to get uh, the science folks in here to talk a lot of those a lot of those details, right? Yeah. Because uh, there are missions all across uh, the the lunar surface that that would be of interest um, when when you. When you follow specifically what Holly was pulling on, that everyone wants to go to the surface, it's true. There, there's a lot of things that you can, one, you can learn there. Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned from the science perspective, operationally, there's also, can you access different materials that you need, right? Are we going to be able to access water ice that provides some capacity uh, for, for continued uh, exploration uh, on the surface or even beyond, right? Are there other materials that we can that we can uh, garner while we're there uh, to use uh, to enhance our our exploration capabilities, but also how to learn to operate on that surface, right? What what do we need to do to actually live there for a while? If you're going to go out to Mars, um, what is it? What can we learn from the lunar surface that's going to help us there? Uh, so, so there's a mixed bag. You mentioned, right? Yeah, we we talk about Mars. There's it. It's all complementary. It's mm. it's we want to learn about the Moon for its own scientific objectives. The the 
again, there's a suite of those. I think if you look at the decadal survey, there's a ton of things that we can actually learn about the moon that feeds uh, our knowledge of Earth and our knowledge of the the growth of the universe. And and there's that is probably out of out of scope for what I could talk about here, right? Uh, as as far as what we what we can learn uh, from the moon from a science perspective. So we have a ton of a ton of those things that we can uh, that we can pursue in their own right. Um, there's uh, and that's one of the reasons, right, why we're going to the South Pole uh, in particular. That's that's one of the reasons we chose the orbit, the egg shaped orbit that Holly referenced, right? The the NRHO orbit gives us access to the entire surface of the moon instead of just the equatorial uh, that we get to from launching from Earth. So so it allows us to go to the South Pole and understand uh, what the what the capabilities are there, right? What what volatiles we can find. We have a number of rover experiments going there. Other, uh, you look at the CLIPS program and you have the commercial lunar payloads and and yeah. what they're going to explore uh, the South Pole region as well. What, what we can learn from them. So there, there's a there are a number of science objectives we get from the lunar surface in and of itself. There's exploration of the moon that we get uh, in and of itself. Um, but from from our perspective, being strategic and trying to make sure that we're that we're outfitting Gateway such that the lessons we learn not only enable uh, the exploration of the moon itself, but set us up for that pursuit of further destinations. We're trying to always keep that in mind. So there's always both sides to that coin that are part of our strategic planning. Very important. So. Since I'm the one who threw the comment out, you know, everyone wants to go to the surface. To, I'll give you my perspective, right? So I, I think it started out as, you know, let's let's land on the moon, right? In our generation, let's do this amazing positive thing. But I think it's gone so far beyond that, right? I mean, NASA's one of NASA's core objectives is this sustainability, right? I mean, it's nice to just go amazing, but we want to make it sustainable. Well, sustainability is about infrastructure. Right. You can't sustain something without, inf without infrastructure. Right. And so, you know, International Space Station, low Earth orbit, we've learned how to do that. You have to have spare parts and you have to have, you know, logistics, you know, cargo vehicles coming up. Right. And you have to have routine maintenance. And those things maybe are not as flashy, but they are vitally important. And so for Gateway, we have, and, and John's been here much longer than I have, thought start, thought about those things, you know, mm -hmm. spare parts, maintenance, the autonomous, you know, capability for the surface. The good news is that everyone wants to go to the surface. And because now everyone wants to go to the surface, we can start thinking about that infrastructure that will give us sustainability and there's sort of something in it for everyone, right? Mm. No matter who you are, commercial, international, big or small, there is probably something that you can contribute, right? We need power systems. We need communication systems. We need habitation. You know, how do you fly something down and move it from point A to point B so that the rover that you landed, you know, doesn't run out of fuel and can't be used again? And so people are just now starting to think about it. So I actually think it's great that everyone wants to go to the surface because there's a lot of work to do. The same is true for us on Orbit Gateway. I just think because of our space station heritage, we're, we've thought through that a little bit more, right. you know, than, and the surface is kind of just starting in that area. Yeah. And you kind of have a general sense of the needs and like the infrastructure yeah. that makes the International Space Station successful in low Earth orbit. And and you talked about expanding on everyone. Um we mentioned this a couple of times, but just to, to focus on it is there's a lot of people involved. You guys were describing how like here at uh, the Gateway program, the program itself is small, but then it trickles out into, and we, we've mentioned a number of these folks, Maxar, Northrop Grumman. You guys have to work with the Orion program. We're working with international partners. This thing starts to build out. So when you talk about sustainability with all these different players involved, right, everyone's contributing to those greater goals. The idea here is this is not something that just fades away. It's you, what you're trying to build. You have this community of all these stakeholders that want to do these things, and you're working with them continuously. Absolutely, we are, right? And and as Holly mentioned earlier, right, it kind of starts with that core team uh, that, that we have um, that I just want to want to emphasize the importance of the role they play mm. and, and the 
excellent uh, capabilities that they bring to the table, right? The, it, it is all about the team establishing that, that um, we talked to culture, but it's also that leadership, them, them displaying the leadership that we need to move forward. But then you, you talk all the stakeholders and the partners that we have. You, you touched on several of them. There's HLS as well, right? There's pretty much, if you're, if you're going down to the surface through this, the Artemis campaign, you're touching gateway, Right. That's that's why I used Cornerstone as the example. We mm. right. The, you're going to aggregate those capabilities uh, at the gateway, and so the ability to be able to to work with, to collaborate with, and integrate with all of those different stakeholders uh, is incredibly important. It's it is the 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 core of of our jobs, I believe. Right, is to actually enable that collaboration, uh, that integration, uh, and so you see a lot of the team. That's what they're doing. There's uh, you have a broad broad team running all across the world. Even those uh, commercial partners you mentioned, Maxar and Northrop Grumman, right? they have suppliers that are all over the world, right? That that are producing key parts for Gateway. Uh, you have all of our international partners that have their suppliers. All of those are critical to us being able to, to actually get the station up and running, right? Before we even get to all the operations pieces that yeah. we've talked about, right? It's getting to that point that we have a station to operate. It requires all of those uh, those partnerships to actually come to fruition. Uh, and And so that's that's really you go back to your first questions what how do we how do we work together to to try to lead this program is to try to enable all of those connections to work as efficiently and effectively as we can mm -hmm. to produce this space station holly i'm i'm kind of thinking about what john is saying right now and all the different pieces that that come together and going back to your experience because you said you were involved with the space station program from the first element and so you've seen over time the International Space Station, how it's grown into what it, what it is today. With international partners, you said you were part of the first Dragon missions, commercial partners, things like that, and how that happened over time. What I'm hearing is that foundation is integrated in the first steps. Everything we've done in the International Space Station is, I mean, it seems like we're just zooming with, with Gateway. And I wonder if you, if you witnessed that because you've experienced it personally in your own career how the international space station evolved do you see the same things that gateway is is progressing faster because of what the space station the foundation of the space station has laid out to allow us to move so quickly in gateway yeah i mean absolutely yes resounding yes right so i mean you a couple of times have mentioned dan hartman yeah right i mean he was base station, you know, before he was gateway. That's so, him, you know, yeah. sort of as the, the, the founder, <laughs> the first program manager of gateway, he brought with him all that experience. Right. And then the team that he was able to assemble, if you, if you look across that team, tremendous experience, you know, not just from ISS, but from across the board, you know, John's got a much deeper background in the, in the hardware design and development. And I do, but a little bit ops. Right. And then I'm mm. sort of the opposite you know, all ops. And then I got to see a little bit of the design and development just because of my interaction with the commercial uh, teams and and the international teams early on in, in Space Station. And uh. so I think not just, be, you know, if you use us as an example, and then you think about the team that is our, you know, immediate program team, and then you think about all the engineering folks that support us and the other NASA centers, they, they have all seen, you know, the international partners, right? So uh, the woman who is building our, our IHAB, our International Habitation uh, module, you know, she built a module for space station, you know, type of thing. Same uh. thing for the program manager for, you know, the JAXA component. So John's counterpart at, at JAXA, same thing, you know, built module for the International Space Station. So, you know, the, the experience and the depth of experience and the ability to apply it. And I would say, you know, lessons learned, right? So there are things that, Gateway is doing, you know, differently on purpose to try to be more efficient and effective, you know, schedule with our schedule, with our resources. You know, it is this, as you've described, this this far flung integrated enterprise, right? And that's what's it makes it fun and <laughs> exciting. And again, one of the reasons I, you know, came from ops here and one of the big parallels to my previous job. 
But it also means we have to be really focused and really efficient. And yeah. so I think that team that's assembled to do gateway not only applies the experience and can move faster, but they can move faster because, you know, you sort of know what you need and what you don't and where some of the pitfalls are. And it, it's it's coming across when you're talking about these steps to build gateway and the capabilities all the way out to that Mars forward thinking. It's these lessons we have over time that just, to me, just what you've, what you've what you've uh, described is just this clear path and the purpose of gateway and just there, it, it's a it's a great understanding of of where we're going to go you, because of the experience it, it is all building on what we've learned in the past right yeah. we we stand on the shoulders of giants right you start from the beginning and we have learned and and you try to take those lessons over time and continue uh contributing to that evolution yeah. and and that's exactly what we're trying to do with gateway Focusing on today, because I have you here today, uh, we're recording this at the end of June in 2023. Where is Gateway today? And what are the next steps that we can be looking forward to in the near term? So uh, Gateway is making tremendous progress today, right? If you, th you look back, we just started as a program in 2019. Uh, and, in, and in four years, we've got significant design work behind us. Uh, we have completed the, the critical design uh, aspects for the most part for Halo. Mm -hmm. uh, and so had their review actually just not too long ago. Um, we're, we're heading towards that same point with PPE. Uh, they're on track for, uh, for looking at uh, getting their, their uh, primary structures complete in the very near term and integrating those vehicles. And so we're looking at launch time frame uh, really in less than less than three years from from today right mm -hmm. so so we're making great progress with with halo and PPE uh, we're making great progress uh, with the other uh, modules as well uh, I have that uh, Holly just talked about the the team out there uh, is doing a tremendous job in their build as well they've already had their preliminary uh, design completed and and approved and working through their development activities as well towards their critical design review. Uh, so that's that's ongoing as we speak. Artemis IV uh, is, uh, intends to have that IHAB delivered to uh, the initial capability of Gateway, right? So that we'll, we'll, we'll launch initially with the PPE and Halo, and then Artemis IV brings the IHAB out with Orion hmm. uh, to, to aggregate at... Uh, at Gateway. As a crude mission? As a crude mission. Very that's cool. exactly right. So that's so that's how we're getting IHAB out there. Then Artemis V brings uh, the European refueling module. Huh. Right. So so the the idea is to to quickly build out Gateway to its its expected state um, in those first few uh, crude missions yeah. uh, for for Artemis. And so then you then you have that aggregation point operating there. But where we are today is is there's a lot of hardware and software work being done across the world, uh, making progress. Um, we, we report regularly on all the different progress that's going on. You've got uh, qualification testing of the solar electric propulsion actually happening at Glenn Research Center as we speak. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of different aspects that are making tremendous progress uh, as we move forward today. So we're looking forward to that first launch and then getting, getting out there and getting crewed missions started. And it, it should be abundantly clear, but just to focus on it uh, a little bit more is this is not conceptual gateway. This is happening. This is yeah, happening. We're cutting metals. We're testing the software. Like we're, we have the partners. Like this is happening. This is absolutely happening. It's interesting that you say that, right? Because we go out and talk about gateway a lot and we get that reaction a lot, right? People think it is conceptual and, you know, there is a tremendous amount of hardware. I mean, pressure cells, batteries, you know, sis various systems that are all over the world and will, you know, start to already have started to be assembled into the completed spacecraft, um, you know, here in the not too distant, not too distant future, right? So you were talking about Halo and it's, it's over at one of our partners in Europe, um, you know, being welded and then Northrop Grumman will move it over to the U.S. to a facility that they built. And I mean, that is that is not very far away that we will have the entire pressure shell, you know, here in the U.S. getting getting outfitted, you know, in the fall is is what's on the schedule. And so, I mean, you can go and you can see it. And we actually have a mock-up here at the Johnson Space Center, you know, over for crew training mm -hmm. um, that is, you know, obviously representative of, of the real hardware 
um, which is exciting because people can kind of see see it and 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 experience what it's going to be like. So yeah. it, it's interesting. Everyone asks us that question. I've not really figured out why. And we're always like, there's actually lots of hardware. And we're pretty it. far along. And <laughs> I mean, we are going to be the very first permanent piece of the entire Artemis enterprise, right? So, ah. you know, you said you had Kathy Kerner on and they're thinking, you know, 40 years in the future. Well, we're the, we're the foothold. We are the very first permanent hook and yeah. the hardware is being built and it's not very far away. This has been so exciting to talk to the both of you, not because of your your leadership capabilities and what you bring to Gateway and how you describe to Gateway, but the energy is contagious of what you're saying. You're very excited for Gateway and what it has to bring. But going off of uh, what you were saying, Holly, on just, you know, you get approached and people are like, this is not conceptual. This is the real thing. When you get asked the question, why Gateway? What is your, like, how do you describe why Gateway is so, and we've, I feel like we've covered it intensely. We're just here, but what's like your, what's your selling? What's your pitch? So, so it is a question that has come up uh, fairly often for, for years, right? Since, since, since we started, why Gateway? Um, I start with the sustained presence. It really starts there. It is, it is not just going back to the moon. It's going back to the moon to stay. Mm. And that, even that uh, kind of sells it a little bit short because, because that is, it's the sustained presence that enables our future deep space exploration, right? Because it, it, is, it is about uh, if you're going to go beyond, how do you go do that? So, so yes, you have a sustained presence in cislunar space, but you learn, as we've talked through this entire podcast, you learn about how to operate away from earth. You learn about how to access the surface and recover. You, you learn about autonomous operations. You learn about crew interaction. You learn the things that drive uh, what you're doing uh, for future deep space exploration. And along the way, you get to do all the science that is of importance just within cislunar space itself, right? So you, whether it's, whether it's in orbit or on the surface, you enable all of those things. Um, even in, in with a, the lunar mission, you enable reusability, right? You enable uh, a variety of other things just by having Gateway there. So, so Gateway, going back to my statement earlier, Gateway is really the cornerstone. It is the foothold uh, for the Artemis uh, campaign, uh, and it enables that future uh, deep space exploration. So I would say, first of all, I agree with all of that. And in <laughs> true NASA fashion, uh, uh -huh. some of the members of our team created an acronym uh, oh, that course. is SCAMPY. <laughs> and it goes like this. The S is science, right? So Gateway will do science. The C is crew. There will be crew living and working, learning on Gateway. The A is access to the surface, because um, you can obviously go down, come back, and John mentioned, you know, get access to the entire lunar surface. M is Mars, Mars forward. Uh, P is the permanent, right? Mm. Permanent presence, right. Um, permanent hardware. Uh, and we talked about the foothold and, the, and we're going to be the very first piece of uh, the Artemis Enterprise. And the I is international. international. So there you go. Science crew, access to the surface, Mars permanence and international. So now, now you always you have, need an acronym. There you go. That's it. Now you have an easy answer. Why gateway? <laughs> it's it's cornerstone, foothold, scampy. There you go. There you go. <laughs> that's yep. it. People always want to know, well, what does scampy mean? And I'm like, no, no, no. It's just an acronym to remember the other things, right? Yeah. Because sometimes acronyms are acronyms of acronyms, but oh, yeah. there you go. So <laughs> that, that's how I remember. I did not create it, but our team is awesome. I and, love and, it. Uh, yeah. We were tossing this around one day, you know, right. trying to figure out you know, how do we communicate how amazing and exciting and important this is, you know, to this, the NASA and the human spaceflight community, right? But also to the world. And so that's how I remember yeah. they came up with that. And I can understand the challenges, right? Because like, I think everybody just wants one answer. But yeah. the truth is that Scampi is, is, is giving you a bunch of different answers. Right. Because they're all important. Because right? they're all very important. And, and Aggregation kind of, point, like John exactly. said. Mm -hmm. yeah. Leading collaboratively, right? <laughs> International is a big part of that. Exactly. Right. Um, this has been so ex exciting to talk to the both of you. Your uh, your energy is contagious and um, it just, it gets me really excited about Gateway and, and just 
what it's going to bring to the future of Artemis missions. Because what's becoming clear to me through talking to you is, is not only, yes, this is happening, um, but Gateway will be around for a while and has to be because it's part of the infrastructure of, of Artemis. It's that permanent, the P in, in Scampi, it's permanent. 15 year Absolutely. lifetime. 15 year. And then, ho- and then hopefully more, just and like ISS, more. right? Exactly. Yeah. Cause we keep extending it, rating it. And stuff, Absolutely. And stuff. Absolutely. Very good. Well, John, Holly, this has been a pleasure to talk to both of you. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Been great talking with you. Awesome. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks guys. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Man, I feel like the guests recently have just been bringing a ton of energy to the podcast, and I just feel so spoiled. It was really contagious uh, when I'm talking with both John and Holly today. And I'm very, very excited for the Gateway program. And I really hope you are too. You can go to nasa.gov to look up the Gateway program and see those milestones. John alluded to their posting regularly, the updates uh, that are happening in the Gateway program. So that's that's there for you uh, to check out. Um, After this podcast, if you want to see where they are and where they're going, you can go there for continuous updates. If you like podcasts, we are one uh, of many across the agency, and you can check them all out at nasa.gov slash podcast. You can click on us there and listen to any of our episodes. You can see the full collection there. You can listen to any of them in no particular order. If you want to talk to us, we're on social media, on the NASA Johnson Space Center pages of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can use the hashtag AskNASA on any one of those platforms to submit an idea for the show. Just make sure to mention it's for us at Houston. We have a podcast. This episode was recorded on June 27th, 2023. Thanks to Will Flato, Justin Herring, Dane Turner, Heidi Lavelle, Abby Graff, Belinda Polito, Jaden Jennings, and Dylan Cannell. And of course, thanks again to John Lanson and Holly Ridings for taking the time to come on the show. Give us a rating and feedback on whatever platform you're listening to us on and tell us what you think of our podcast. This is episode 299. Next week, uh, you can tune in for our 300th episode of the podcast. And spoiler alert, we're going to do something special. Stay tuned.